0: Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith if you would get your Bibles, open up to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, chapter eleven. Um, you've heard me talk about the church in Corinth before, and, and the reason that it had such complex problems um, was because of the fact that it was on uh, the busiest trade route in the, in the region. Um, kind of a cool, kind of a cool story, and apparently the street is still the Corinthian Highway is still there. Um, the reason that it was such a busy Place was it kind of set in the center of a what would you call it a pinnacle? Um, a it was a it was a, a breach of land that had a whole bunch of islands that are around the outside of it. If you look in your map, the Church of Corinth, um, you can see what I'm talking about. And it would take a ship two solid weeks to, to sail around. A what? A peninsula. That's the word I was looking for. Um, it would take a, a ship two solid weeks to circle around um, when they could they could take their boats all the way up to one side of this peninsula. They would unload it onto the backs of servants, and they had logs that ran the 12-mile course across land. It would take them one full day to pull their boat to Corinth, They would stay in Corinth for the night and then one full day to pull the boat the rest of the way to the other end of the peninsula. So two weeks versus two days. They decided to take a couple extra days. They would still make it across faster than sailing around. So huge benefit to the city of Corinth, um, that was extremely wealthy because it, it traded a whole bunch of stuff that came from these, uh, different countries, um, one of, the, one of the main things that they traded was silk. And Corinth made purple dye. So, I mean, silk, purple dye, that's where all the Roman soldiers went to retire. I mean, it was apparently a pretty happening place. So you had Jews that were there, you had Gentiles that were there, you had people who had, um, who had, who had stayed there, who were individuals who retired from their, uh, from their trading. And then you had these boats that were coming from all over the world that went through the city at the same time. So, although that was good for the city of Corinth, it also brought a whole bunch of different cultures into the city—not only cultures, but belief systems, religions. Um, Corinth was guilty of things. You look through the scriptures; there was there was one charge the Apostle Paul brought up, said that a man was sleeping with his uh, with his father's wife. So, yeah, he was sleeping with his mom. He wasn't so blatant to put it. That's straightforward. Um, but this was something that there were individuals who were actually in the church in Corinth who apparently were not even willing to approach the, the individual and say, look, what you're doing is twisted. <laughs> um, this church was really messed up. There was, um, there was a temple uh, to the goddess Diana who, uh, that was on the pinnacle of or the top of the mountain. Uh, that that overlooked the city. Every night, a thousand prostitutes came out of the temple and poured into the city. Every night, prostitution ran rampant. It, it was it was. I don't even know if you could compare it to Las Vegas. It was this place is just messed up. So if you could imagine the difficulty that the Apostle Paul had in not only bringing the accuracy of the gospel to a place like that. The establishment of the church probably wouldn't have been that difficult to accomplish, but the maintaining of the church would have been the difficulty. So we're in Second Corinthians here, and along the latter part of Second Corinthians, which means that Paul has invested a lot of time and a lot of attention into this church. Now, the part that we're at now, um, the Apostle Paul is battling Judaizers. They were individuals who weren't they weren't fundamentalist Judaizers because they didn't demand that. That uh, the individuals who were the members of the church in Corinth um, necessarily be circumcised. They didn't demand really anything. Uh, But these were individuals who were pretty proud of themselves. So, have you ever met anybody who demanded respect? Is it easy to respect somebody who demands it? Eighth grade teacher? Respect is earned, right? But I'm sure all of us have met those people who make themselves so big to the individuals that are around them, and so um, they're just pompous individuals. They they demand. You ever? I'll tell you, there was one, and and I'm not saying that this was a bad guy. I believe he was a really good guy, Gerald Davidson. You ever meet Gerald Gerald Davidson? He's the type of guy that walks into a room, you're immediately frightened. Respect level is like 110% when he walks into a room. You haven't talked to the dude yet. And I mean, it's like he walks into a room, it's like, oh my goodness, Gerald's here. Goodness. So these individuals who were false prophets had worked their way into the church in Corinth. And they were individuals who um, had established for themselves through them being individuals who, it's kind of funny because I sitting in the office this morning talking and... This topic came up and I was kind of like, it's got to be the Lord because it was something we was discussing before church even started. Um, these were individuals who boasted in themselves to the extent of them actually making themselves something in the eyes of the people in the church in Corinth. So the Apostle Paul um, sees himself being compared to these individuals who had made themselves big, an influence. So, how much time has the Apostle Paul invested into this church? A ton. Well, the Apostle Paul is the type of person that is not going to go in and take advantage of the circumstances in order to falsely make himself appear to be intimidating, make himself appear to be someone who is demanding um, a level of respect. So, the Apostle Paul's kind of feeling like these other false um, apostles are coming in and they're taking the hearts and the minds of the individuals, trying to take the hearts and minds of the individuals who are members of that church. Paul had made himself small, humble, as the Lord demands. These individuals came in, made themselves tall, proud, as the Lord condemns. And this was what Paul was dealing with these individuals were potentially going to have more influence over the, the members of the church in Corinth than Paul himself was. Paul was not a false apostle. Um, he goes so far as to demand this, we get a little bit farther down, but that's where we sit when we enter into Second Corinthians chapter 11. So read along with me if you would. He said, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. So in these first two verses, he's, he's establishing this this uh, he's establishing this position with them. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Now he's not meaning that he's jealous of their position, jealous of the way that they look at things. He he's jealous in the same sense that God is jealous towards us. It would be the same as. Um, you know, God being all knowing, but I can tell you as a pastor that this is, this is where my heart's at. I know a lot of you in the circumstances you walk into when you leave here on Sunday, going to work on Monday. I know the circumstances you're walking into. I know your struggles. I know your temptations. Many of you share these things with me and I can tell you when I get out of bed in the morning, I'm going to praise God that, that I do believe wholeheartedly that you're going to be able in Christ to grow through whatever temptation or influence that you may face in that day, okay? But the jealousy side of that is, I know that any one of us are capable of failure. It's jealousy in the sense of, I want you to serve the God that I continually preach to you about on every Sunday, knowing that you're facing a very real adversary in the world who's doing everything that he can to try to take you apart piece by piece. The jealousy is, I don't want you to go and serve Satan and his minions. So this is the jealousy that Paul's talking about that he has towards the individuals in Corinth. And of course, this is towards Those individuals who are actually preaching the non-doctrinal stuff to the individuals, those false apostles, if you will, um, they're the the ones that he's actually saying that he's jealous uh, for the people of Corinth about. Verse 3, he says, But I am afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now, he could have said anything with depth and clarity um, about the walk in Christ that, that he wanted to. He could have said anything. He could have went as deep as he wanted to go. As theological as he wanted to go, he could have went here. But his concern was not for the, the deep theology that backs up Christianity. His concern was that they would miss or lose the purity and the simplicity of Christ. In other words, is Christianity complicated? Unless we make it that way, right? And Christianity become can become about so many things. And I know this in my own life for for the over thirty years that I've been a believer in Jesus Christ. I I know for a fact that we as individuals can get caught in even. I mean, I work for the Lord. I'm in a vocation. Working for the Lord, and have become so busy that I have forgotten the purity and the simplicity of Christ. You ever to, yeah, have you ever had to remind yourself why you do what you do in Christianity? Reminding yourself why you do what you do is the purity and simplicity of Christ. It's. It's the love that we too often forget about. It's the love that encourages sacrifice. It's the love that encourages humility. It's the love that puts us in our place. It keeps us from becoming too big for our britches. Because the ground's level at the cross. From our own pers- human perspective, even though Jesus Christ would stand and say every one of us are worthy. From our positions, none of us really are. We know that in him, and only in him are we something, that apart from him, we are nothing. We know that apart from him, we can do a lot of things, but we can't do genuinely good things apart from him. Genuinely good things, eternal things, only happen in him. So the encouragement for us to continually be reminded. Why do we do Vacation Bible School? Vacation Bible School, for those of you that worked it, is it chaotic? It's chaotic. Could it step on your last nerve? It can step on your last nerve. But really, how difficult is it when you remember why you do it? pretty much takes all the difficulty away because the fact is when we remember why we do it, we remember the value in it. You know, Bates Creek Camp is the same way. I asked you guys to be praying about whether I was going to be the admin down there again. I've had a few people ask me some questions. I haven't had anybody actually tell me that they didn't want me to do it. But the questions that people asked me was, you know, I remember you were pretty wore out. I was. I mean, hey, I went as a cabin leader two weeks this year and I was wore out. I don't know if it's because camp's either that chaotic or that I'm just getting old, one or the other. But is it worth it? You know what the Lord reminded me when they asked me to do this? That in 20 years, over 2,000 students have come to know Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior. No offense, Kevin, but it's worth a leg. You know, that it gets so hard, life gets hard. We, we deal with the passing of loved ones. We deal with, with our own temptations. We deal with bearing the burdens of the temptations and the struggles of other individuals. We We get buried in the right thing that we're supposed to say just because it's right, and we lose focus on why it's right. We even get caught up to the point of being individuals who are destructive, destroying rather than restoring, which is what Christ is really all about. And it takes us to be brought to that point full circle occasionally for us to be reminded that we are here to serve the Lord. We are the servant. He is the master. Yet he calls us friends. The purity and simplicity of Christ? Just how simple is it? Simple enough for a child to understand. How pure is it? You know, in the gospel form, it doesn't get any pure. Jesus Christ came to earth as a human being, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave three days later, defe- defeating death for us. Paying the full penalty. You see, that's the message of the gospel before we get a hold of it. Once we human beings get a hold of it, we're capable of really messing it up. We're capable of really making it complicated. I said last week that I'm in a position in this church that I could very easily be sued. I give somebody counsel inside that office, that individual could walk out of that office and file a lawsuit against me. But the one thing that protects me, if you have an issue with me, it's not my issue because I'm going to tell you exactly what this is. Your issues with God. It's not with me. So file a lawsuit against God and then come tell me how that works out. These individuals who are coming into the church in Corinth though, They were complicating it. The Apostle Paul was worried that these individuals would get caught up in what it was that these false apostles were providing and that those individuals would be led astray and that they would forget the purity and the simplicity of Christ. Verse 4 says, For if one comes and preaches another, Jesus, whom we have not preached... Or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted. You bear this beautifully, for I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. Now, I am talking about the most eminent apostles. I do not believe you could look at it that way it's 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 hard to argue that he could be talking about the other apostles. I believe wholeheartedly, he's not talking about the other apostles. He's talking about false apostles, the most eminent apostles. He's talking about these individuals who had made themselves important in the eyes of the people who were were the members of Corinth. He's saying, I know that these individuals are teaching you these things. I know that these individuals are appealing to you uh, along these lines. But he also says in verse 5 that there are complete and total conflict with the truth. They're being told another gospel. They're being taught about another Jesus. You say, well, I don't understand how somebody could teach you about another Jesus. I've had Mormons come up and knock on my door before and they say, um, we're here to tell you about um, uh, the Church of the Latter-day Saints. And I'm like, well, I'm a believer in Jesus. They say, well, we believe in the same Jesus as you do. I'm like, give me five minutes. I'll convince you that you don't. The person they believe in may be, may be named Jesus, but he is not the same Jesus that this book tells us about. Jehovah's Witnesses are the same way. A lot of denominations, I can link arms with people, and I told you before, I, I believe that we'll stand shoulder to shoulder with people from a lot of denominations when we stand in heaven. But I can tell you that someone who has given their heart and their life to Jehovah's Witness to the Mormons, they're lost as a goose in a snowstorm. because their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Verse 6, he says, But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge? I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. There were people sharing blatant lies about the Apostle Paul. There were saying that the Apostle Paul was a burden on the church and that he robbed other churches. The truth was, the support that he spoke of was support that was brought to him by Timothy from the church in Philippi. When the Apostle Paul traveled to these churches on his missionary journeys, he knew the churches that struggled. He knew the churches, and the churches that struggled, he would not demand money from. He was a tent maker. He would go and make tents to earn his own money. And then other churches that were established and were well off, those churches sent individuals to continue to support the Apostle Paul financially. These apostles turned it around on him and said, He's robbing other churches, and he's here to take advantage of you too. Paul's saying, there are other churches that supported me so that I wouldn't take advantage of you. And if what the other churches gave me wasn't enough, I went and worked with my own hands to earn what it took in order for me to survive while I continued to minister to you, you, the church in Corinth. Verse 10 says, As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Ikiah. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. But what am I doing? I will continue to do that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. Here's what Paul's saying. Those individuals are out there talking about everything that they are and everything that we're not. And everywhere that I go, I will continue to expose the truth. I will continue to tell the truth. I will continue to be the individual who has brought you the pure simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I will protect you by continuing to expose everything that they say. Verse 13, he says it clearly. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. I'll tell you something, folks, and, and I've said this to you many times in 20 years, and I'm going to continue to repeat it. Never, ever, ever. Take a person's word for it. I don't care how long you've known him. I don't care how long you've known her. I don't care how much respect that you have for the individual. I don't care how many doctorates they have hanging on their walls. I don't care who they are, where they've been, what they've done. Never, ever, ever just take a person's word for it. talked to a couple of churches down at camp, church members who said that their churches have gotten in the habit of not even encouraging people to bring their Bibles. I used to have a problem with this quite a few years ago because I thought, you know, we put those words up there and people are going to stop opening their Bibles. To some extent, I still kind of hold that position because I don't want people to forget where books are in the Bible. I want them to be able to find the book. When somebody says, you know, look for the book, we sit in classes and individuals looking for books. I think that it's great for a person next to somebody to find the book for them, to kind of show them where it rests in in, uh, the middle of all of those 66 books. but then I kind of grew to the understanding that some people just aren't going to bring their Bibles. And what if somebody who's lost walks into a church? Never held a Bible before. At least they can see it. And I've challenged you many times before because I've put enough time and effort into the messages that I preach. Check me out. We are entering... And we've been here for a while. We are entering an era in our culture where the Bible is not being accepted as complete. There are individuals who are trying to get it banned in states because to change it is near impossible. Some have successfully changed it. I have arguments with people all the time about translations of the Bible. I tell people all the time, if you're going to study the Bible, use a literal translation of the Scripture. King James, New King James, English Standard Version, New American Standard. Those are literal translations. NIV, semi-literal. Half of it's literal, half of it's a paraphrase. It's simple information to find, it's accessible everywhere as to what version of the Bible, just how accurate it is it is as a side-by-side translation with the Hebrew and the Greek. The resources we have today, there is no reason whatsoever that individuals should not be checking everything that a preacher says because these TV evangelists and the things that they're teaching, better check it. You sit in the church and you listen to somebody, you better check it. Missouri's the show-me state. And every Christian should be a show-me Christian. It's become become my my go-to statement when I have individuals who will tell me something that's not biblical and I will say, could you show that to me? Find it for me. It's pretty eye-opening for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Really false apostles. Verse 16 says, Again I say, let no one think me foolish. But if you do receive me even as foolish, that I also may boast a little. That which I am speaking, I am not speaking as the Lord would, but as in foolishness and confidence of boasting. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you being so wise, bear with the foolish gladly. For you bear with any one, if he enslaves you, if he devours you, if he takes advantage of you, if he exalts himself, if he hits you in the face, to my shame I must say, that we have been weak by comparison. But in whatever respect, anyone else is bold. I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. And far more labors. And far more imprisonments. Beaten times without number. Often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews thirty nine lashes. Three, <coughs> three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all of the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying in damascus the ethnarch under under Aretas, the king was guarding the city of the, of, of the of the of <laughs> the damascenes in order to seize me and i was let down in a basket through a window in a wall and so escaped his hands boasting is necessary though it is not profitable but i will go on to visions and revelations of the lord I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up in the third heaven. And I know how such a, such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I shall not be foolish, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this so that no one may credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. When somebody boasts, what do they boast about? boast about themselves. They boast about what they have. They boast about how good they are. They boast about how great of an individual they are or whatever they do. Paul says you want to see an accurate picture of what somebody looking like is boasting? Someone who's genuinely a Christian, their boast what it looks like is they're constantly putting themselves in uncomfortable situations. They're constantly putting themselves in danger. They're constantly putting themselves Sacrificial places. They don't look for the mountaintop. They look for the valley. Paul says if I'll boast, I'll boast in my weaknesses. It's a little bit further down. He says, for it is when I am weak that I am truly strong. You want to be able to share the gospel? Let people see your weaknesses. Not how much you know. Not where where you're at. But let them know where you've come from. Because the truth is, for Christ to shine, we have to admit that we're dull. because in the purity and simplicity of the gospel, who's the one that should truly be exalted? Of course, Christ is. And how does that happen? He has to be lifted up. And in order for him to be lifted up, where do we have to be? Beneath him. So we don't get on Facebook and chew people out. We don't call people names. When people are mean to us, we're not mean back. We absorb it. Because the validity of the gospel has everything in the world to do with the entire purpose that we exist once we come to know Christ. And we are individuals who are either living our lives, validating Christ and his sacrifice, Or we are individuals who are burying it because we spend our lives shining brighter than he does. And we do it in so many different ways. As Christians, the world needs to know that we are no better than anybody else. Just better off. But apart from Christ, we're nothing. And then you're allowed to say, apart from Christ, you're nothing too. Apart from Christ, we get to be nothing together. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, he is automatically exalted. And he's exalted. Through us being individuals who learn, hold to, and proclaim the absolute truth of His Word, no more and no less. He came to seek and save the lost. What part are we playing in that? When I ask you today, if you're here today, you've never. Profess Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. This is invitation time. Time for you to come down down here and just say, hey, I want to be saved. I can't save you, but I'll take the time that it's necessary to make sure that you understand the one who can. I think that most of the people in here are people who have already given their life to Christ, though. I stand here today telling you that I know that this is a constant struggle. Regardless of what front we may put on, regardless of what face we may wear, We feel the weight of our fallen nature every day. And we struggle. And I thank God that we struggle. If you take that as a slap, I'm sorry. Hear me out. Someone who don't care don't struggle. Sanctification is a process. Imputed righteousness is done. We, we, if we take our last breath right now and we've placed our trust in Jesus, we stand before him shrouded in the purity and the blood of Jesus Christ. But sanctification is a process. and We allow ourselves way too much to be influenced by outside influences, by individuals who tell us things that are not true, by individuals who manipulate and form a form of Christianity that is not doctrinal. Always remember. How many of you guys have a smartphone? If you know, on that smartphone, there's a little button. If you take a pen or a toothpick or something, you got to look for it because it's typically a very little button. And if you push that little button in, it'll put your phone all the way back to a factory reset. We need that sometimes. The purity and the simplicity of the gospel will always give us a place, a fresh place, for us to take a fresh look at everything that we know, at everything that the Lord wants us to know. So whatever the Lord may say to you today, I can ask no more than for you to just be obedient to his Holy Spirit. He speaks to you don't leave this place today without having a conversation with him. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.